Welcome to the Die Living Podcast, as usual, sponsored by Softly.com. Uh, today we have Bailey and Zach Weiss as guests. Uh, they are a really interesting couple. Uh, Bailey just finished phase two of Marsock's selection, and we're going to talk with her about her prep and what went into it and kind of the mindset in dealing with uh, setbacks of being you know, of, of not getting what you train for for a long time and uh, what a good support network looks like. I hope you guys enjoy it. This is, uh, this is one of the, the more special guests we've had in a long time, so uh, enjoy. Broadcasting from everywhere and nowhere, the Misfit Crew at Southfleet HQ is proud to bring you the Die Living Podcast. Bailey, thanks for joining us, and Zach. Um, we're here in a kind of more private environment this time. Usually, we have like Aaron. We have mom and dad here. Usually, there's no mom and dad, so if no I, one's watching the children. Yeah, if I say something <laughs> inappropriate, yeah, like this isn't normal. That's a lie. It's totally normal. <laughs> I just don't have anybody here to look at me judgingly. Um, for everybody's um, situational awareness. Uh, Bailey and Zach are married. Um, how long? How long have you guys been married? It's about two years now. Right, so newlyweds, things are still cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. not my marriage. My marriage. <laughs> like, we've been married for almost ten years, but like our first two years were not the honeymoon period. They were the um, like navigating a ship through the rock of yeah, like the the rock and the hard place. The well, what was the flash to bang on your marriage? You got married a month. Yeah, I mean, we were talking in <laughs> Afghanistan for a while, and then I came home, and I was like, "Well, we're gonna do this. I'm gonna put a ring on that finger really fast." I did. Mm-hmm. We knew each other very well, intimately. Um, we had been on two dates. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, when you know, you know. That's what I say. Yeah. Doug heeded the advice of all of his friends. <laughs> yeah. As we were going to get married at the uh, Cumberland County Courthouse because I wanted her to be my dependent when we got actually married so we could do Space A to Europe for our honeymoon, um, my two witnesses both told me that this didn't have to go down the way it was going down, <laughs> that we could just leave and I didn't have to get married, which I thought were very good words of encouragement. After we left the courthouse, we went to secrets to celebrate in a true Fayetteville fashion. I do not think that my wife knew what she was getting herself into entirely, but it seemed like an adventure at the time. That is a hundred percent possibility. <laughs> Well, we uh we met on the de- uh, the deployment that we were on together, so that's how we met. Right um, on. And you were at Second Recon Battalion. That's correct. Yeah, okay, Second cool. Recon. So we deployed on the, I think it was the two two mu at the time. Uh, there might be a bunch of people now listening to saying that they called it, but I pretty much thought I would uh, flash my gold wings and my gold gold bubble to pull her in. Didn't work. She didn't even, she didn't even say hi to me when I tried to, you know, try to introduce <laughs> myself to her. Shot me down completely. You are a handsome dude though. So that's oh, a thank win. You. Thank yeah. you. Um, <laughs> I would have said hi. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
So took a little bit of time, but I think being contained on the ship, she didn't have anywhere to go. She couldn't run from me. Oh, you guys so. were on the ship? Oh, we were stuck on the boat. Yeah. Oh, man. He yeah. stole a pineapple for me from the chow hall. So Again, that's uh, really you're, not, won me over. you're not out of the Marine Corps yet, Bailey, so <laughs> people can still press charges. <laughs> we're going to make a t-shirt. It's like, I stole, I'll steal a pineapple for you. <laughs> Isn't that that weird swingers thing where you have like an upside down pineapple in your shopping cart? People I know, know nothing about weird swinger stuff. Don't pretend I do. Don't give me that coquettish <laughs> look, Brian. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I didn't realize, like, when you said Mew, that that absolutely means that you're on a boat then. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, stuck on a boat. Uh, then we got back, and we started the day a little bit pretty serious when we got back, but I guess it wasn't long, five or six months. I had a pretty severe concussion, so when I told my uh, commanding officer at the time that I was going to propose to her, he's like, Weiss, you are... Uh, you just had a TBI. Are you sure you're, <laughs> yeah. you're yeah. thinking clear? <laughs> right on. Uh, yeah, definitely. It was the, probably one of the better moves I made. So. Uh, cool, man. Um, so I, again, for SA, Bailey just finished phase two of MARSOC ANS, right? I have no idea how. So I, things I do know. What does ANS stand for? Assessment and selection. Oh. And, and again, like things I do know are that MARSOC blatantly stole their selection process from Army SF. So I have a general understanding of what went on there, maybe, but we don't have phases. So what a, what is like phase one and phase two? So, well, first off for phase two, I'm actually, I've signed a disclosure, so I won't be able to really talk about details. Understood. But like right. as in broad spectrum, like, I mean, so like if I was to break down Army SF Special Forces selection, I'd say that we had a PT week we had a land navigation week and we had a team week. And without talking about the specifics of those things, that's kind of the, the flow of a 21-day selection. Right. So so I guess – so phase one, um, it kind of builds you into – it's not a prep course, but it does um, start uh, – the workouts and the training starts to intensify as the phase goes on. Okay. So you will be – it's incorporating um, – you know, your standard Marine Corps PFTs along with swimming. Um, you'd have a ruck run at the end of each week. Um, and then you'd also be doing different types of uh, kind of hit workouts. Okay. The, um, so it's our PT week. I mean, right. you're basically – and they're they're scoring on stuff. They're keeping record. Right. And, okay, right on. And just out of curiosity, like are they dropping people after phase one? They are. Okay. So um, – I went in August, so it was uh, the heat was pretty intense. Um, they had quite a few uh, heat casualties. You're still running events in August there. Yes. Now we again, I Marines are straight charge the hill. Charlie, don't quit because it's <laughs> yeah. hot outside, boy. Yeah. <laughs> August and September are off months in uh, at Camp McCall. Like that's when they definitely are like, you know what, guys, we should think about this. You kill a few too many soldiers. Yep, they, they tell you to stop. Yeah, we uh, so phase one was August and phase two is in September. So um, I mean, it was it got pretty hot. Uh, so there's heat casualties, medical drops. Um, a lot of people would just quit for different various reasons. Um, How many people? I mean, again, so I don't. I am certain they put the fear of God in you with an NDA, um, a non-disclosure agreement, but also like. I mean, in general terms, I am all about skirting around such things. <laughs> like, do is it common knowledge how long ANS is? Uh, so they, it is common knowledge. Because so it's an it's, ATAR slot, still, right? right? Or, so it's approximately about four weeks for phase one, and it's approximately about two weeks for phase okay. two. And um, how many female Marines have 
completed phase two of ANS historically? None. So um, <laughs> so we have the, you are the most exclusive guest we've ever had <laughs> on the podcast party of one. Right. Um, Other than your ego. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Brian. <laughs> so, I mean, to me, I, the whole reason you're here is because a few weeks ago or a week ago, even like less, which was four days. We've been right. other four days. <laughs> right. uh, I read an article in the Marine Corps Times about you. So you completed phase two, um, but you're non-select, which like for us in the army is a 21 day non-select and just completing the course is still an accomplishment. Um, and I know that feels kind of like it's still fresh. So it feels like a bandaid being pulled off, <laughs> but it is an accurate statement. And um, it's funny, actually, Zach friended me on Facebook and I totally didn't click on who like the relation at all. And then I, I had just read the article about you. So I then recognized your face on his profile. I was like, wait a minute, like you guys, I was like, well, now I'm Zach is my friend because you're famous. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and then, and then you started texting me like a 14 year old girl who just got asked out by her crush. Like, well, check it out. This would happen, man. Small world. Uh, so I, but I mean, like to me, uh, I'm friends with a few of the females that have graduated Ranger School, and I'm friends with a lot of really squared away female soldiers that work in JSOC and variety of different aspects. Combat support teams or yeah. cultural support teams. Certain ones are better than others, but yeah. generally, um, the ones that I'm really good friends with are super high performing females and super high performing soldiers, period. Not gender specific. <laughs> I to probably digress <laughs> as, as I as I stumble into a pit of misogyny dug by myself yes <laughs> um, but yeah like I think that in our generation we've had an interesting shift I, I know that like we've watched don't ask don't tell go away and I know that almost everyone in our age bracket like you know early 30s mid 30s late 30s if you're me but like 20s to 30s we have a different outlook on um, openly gay service members serving alongside um, even before Don't Ask, Don't Tell was repealed. And then with the gender exclusion for combat going away, I think with GWAT going on, we've all been in firefights or some sort of like service next to a female that represents herself well. I mean, it's like no difference. And – so I think that the younger generation, our generation has a much more open attitude towards um, those barriers being torn down. But that doesn't change the fact that you're entering into a place where it's like it's a lot of question marks, right? You're – I mean, which is brave to me. Like, I mean, the idea of being like, hey, this is a really cool thing that I want to do. We – I mean, I was sitting on my couch in West Texas when I decided I want to be a special forces guy. I watched a TV show and I was like, I want to do that. And when I tell that story, people are like, well, what made you think you'd get through? I was like, man, I don't know. I just thought I would do it, right? And I know that I was looking at guys who looked like me, who had a background similar to mine that I wanted to follow in their footsteps. You can and just say your idiot friend, Brian. Yes, yes. Brian was ahead of me <laughs> six months. And I was like, if that guy can do it, I can do it too. Yeah. And I've, A lot of people have joined Special Forces because they saw me and said, if that idiot can do it. <laughs> but I know that like you don't, I mean, you don't have the benefit of that, right? You literally are going in blind and you're saying like, hey, these non-gender, supposedly non-gender specific standards, I can do that. Well, the trail hasn't been blazed, right? You know, it puts you in a different position. And I think what Doug is, is getting at is that the culture isn't there. You know, there's right. no, 
there there isn't you're not like working on the back, shoulders of others you're right. the person that's that's shouldering the load and like so i, I want to know like what like what was your what was your thought process getting into it? Like what was, what made the decision? Where, where were you? You're sitting on the couch watching predator and thinking like, like Doug or, or was it Jesse? Uh, no. even is your role model. <laughs> I was, I was actually at work and I was going through my emails and to be honest, I didn't even realize they had opened the um, doors for females in MARSOC or for SOCOM in general. I was just that kind of unaware um, focused on my job at the time. What was your job? Uh, I work on Harriers. So I used to actually be a mechanic and then I've worked myself into kind of a maintenance management position. Um, so that's what I do now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, when I first came into the Marine Corps, they had the experimental phase for females, um, going through ITB before they opened combat roles to females. What's ITB? Um, infantry training battalion. So, um, they opened that school to females to kind of, uh, just just as an experiment. So once we completed that, so I graduated from there, but once you completed that, um, you weren't able to have that infantry MOS. You had to go on to your next school of what whatever that So you went through ITB. Correct, yeah. Look at that. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I kind of always had that desire there, um, just kind of also with the realization that it wasn't always an opportunity. So I understood that. Um and I kind of just try and put myself in situations to where I can, if I if I have a good opportunity, like going to MARSOC assessment and selection, then I'm going to bounce on it. But um, I got an email from one of the recruiters just saying that it was one of those, uh, once you reach a certain rank or um, time and grade, you are time in the service, you... Uh, they reach out to you to see if you'd actually want to go or if you qualify. All, like, all eligible, yeah, yeah, write them. Right. So um, I got that email and I responded and kind of went from there. Just How uh, long was the ramp-up process? So I got that email in the end of January of 2018. And then from there, I've always been pretty active in the gym and everything, but that's where I started my training for the specific uh, goal of going to assessment and selection. So big shout out to uh, Cal Beats. Right. Right. <laughs> right. So as Zach was telling me, uh, your athletic background is a competitive swimmer in college, right? Yep, that's correct. I swam with the University of Minnesota with the Gophers. So Cal was my strength coach. Yeah. yeah. So like for those who don't know, Cal Dietz is kind of like the, the mensch, the brain behind most tactical – like not just tactical fitness. I he's a generalist who focuses on sports specific training, right? Like making the best athlete possible and then directing that athlete towards what they need to be good at for that sport. He uses a lot of different methods um, that are kind of uh, I don't revolutionary is not the right word. He's got some of those like triphasic training yeah. things of that sort. Yeah. He's he is the he is the the founder. I mean, he's the guy who invented triphasic. Yep. Yeah, it's Cal's a really interesting dude. Yeah. So Cal, Cal developed your the fitness program for you. So what happened was Cal had helped me out a little bit while I was in the service. So when she came to me um, and said we wanted to put together the training process, we had taken what Cal's models were to go ahead and start building a strength uh, strength program along with then your guys Marsock uh, ruck running programs as well that you guys had. We just kind of morphed the two together. Um, did you, so just so that I know that maybe Cal 
<clears throat> Cal Dietz knows who we are. <laughs> Did you like take him the ruck running thing and be like, hey, man, can you like add this to something that you already do? Or does he not still know who we are? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know, to be honest. Um, I had recently sent him an email saying thank you for just kind of being in touch and helping out during that. But uh, we took the ruck running program just kind of from what I had gone through in recon. And I've got I've got bird bones. So like ruck running, like I'll I'll get like tibia stress fractures pretty yeah. easily. But with her soccer background playing at the University of Georgia, we knew she'd be good at running. Um, so we kind of monitored what her ruck running would be. And that was kind of how we paced that off of. Okay. Uh, did you, I mean, you guys did, didn't start the ruck running training until like, what, five, so, five weeks out? <laughs> well, we kind of started, um, I, I had three phases. We, we made up three phases for um, the training in general. So the first phase was kind of more um, just, you know, being aware of strengths and weaknesses. I knew just being a female as a fact, I'm not strong like a man would be like upper body or something like that. I knew I had to put on a lot of mass, a lot of muscle. Um, so that was focused on a lot of um, heavy lifting, uh, low reps and high weight, and then working myself to a good position with that. Um, my endurance was kind of uh, power-based, like explosive endurance, um, rather than distance at that time. That was during the first phase? Right. Okay. And then that was probably about two months, two months doing that. Um and then second, I'd moved in maintaining that strength, but then we started adding in distance, and that's kind of where we added in, started to add in ruck runs, which um, was more, we didn't put too much distance with the ruck runs just to, um, it's kind of just getting my body used to the weight and used to um, the movement rather than kind of beating it down. I'm assuming you had a pretty well-developed posterior chain already, so like it wasn't really weird was it no lower middle back was kind of like the shoulders it yeah it kind of got a little I had to get used to it just um you know uh like up on my upper back kind of was would get really tight but as time went on it I, I started not really having many issues with it at all um okay that's awesome and then like so phase three before you went so then that's where I went uh high reps low weight more endurance based, um, focused a lot more. Uh, I was, I was swimming the entire time, but I would add on, uh, distances, add on time, um, moved from like running from three miles to about five or six miles. Um, and then the ruck runs kind of stayed the same. So I never, I would rotate between like five to eight mile ruck runs. Um, never went above like a 45 pound, um, load and, that so we were supposed to taper off towards the end, but um, based off my work schedule, I didn't really have time. So we kind of just kept kept pushing all the way until I started ANS, which didn't turn out to be a problem. So that was good. You didn't feel like you were uh, overstressed or anything as you rolled in. I didn't. In? I really didn't. How how was that balancing? You know, being like a working marine and trying to train up for this. To be honest, it was it was very difficult. Um, I. In my uh, MOS aviation field, I'm I was pushing about a 12, 13 hour shift almost every day. Um, and is it like a real 12, 13 hour shift, or was there it, like a it, three hour it, window to work out in there? It, well, I didn't get to go no? during work really. Um, there would be oddball days where I'd be able to go to the gym um, for like an hour or so, but most of it I'd get up before um, work and then have a longer workout in the morning and then do something afterwards. 
So she was getting up at 3 a.m. so she could get her strength program in before she went to work, and then she'd work throughout the day. And then at, in the evening, at that time, I was out of the Marine Corps. Then I could meet up with her, and we would try and get a pool workout in or something like that at the end of the day. Yeah. And then go to sleep and repeat. So she didn't have any time, really. What time are you getting to bed? Uh, Well, I I don't know. Probably about 10, 10 30. I was wow. I was getting about a six-hour. It was rough, but Jesus. at the time, yeah. I mean, that's obviously you can't maintain that for No, I know. A long well, time, I mean, but... even now, I kind of laugh because I'm – I mean – we preach sleep right, right to everybody, but I mean, like, I know how it was when we came through. Like, but I mean, and, and I was nowhere near as wholesome as you were. Like, I had to budget <laughs> f- at least four or five hours a night for bar, you know, ch- <laughs> chasing tail. Like, like I don't know how he graduated the Q course or how I didn't die. Well, you can do that when you're 23. You know, when you get older, it's, it's probably not ideal though at 23. Oh, certainly. Picture not how ideal. much better I'd be <laughs> if I hadn't been doing such counterproductive things every night. Yeah. <laughs> Having trouble imagining. But that. I'm bored, Brian. Let's go do this thing. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, congratulations on doing uh, the right thing. Well, that's an incredible workload. I mean, it, there's not. There's not a lot. I mean, there there are a lot of people that are going to those courses that are not doing that. They're training you know? up for the course, and we didn't. Yeah. Even, we didn't get time, like the proper amount of time. I was starting to get frustrated. What um, were you doing work wise, Zach? So at that time, I got out of the Marine Corps, uh, and I, I was searching for a career. So you were yeah. like, you're, you're like a dependent. lost and yeah. full time <laughs> coaching. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, all right, Bailey, we're gonna do this thing. <laughs> Just sitting around the house waiting for her to come home so you can yeah. like. Pull the whip out and be like, "All right, it's uh, time for your ruck run." Or it was, uh, it was, uh, yeah, and, and that might have helped, but at the same time, uh, we it definitely had helped. <laughs> good bonding experiences taking her to the pool. I, I would say not oh, a lot yeah. of couples have that experience of. Oh, dude, I mean, it's a blessing for her. I mean, have you having a really strong background in swimming? Swimming is, I mean, even seals I talk to are like, well, "I'm a terrible swimmer, man," but I'm really good at finning. You know, like I'm, a, I'm a, I can fin for days. Not a very good swimmer. So hearing you talk, like having a swimming background, being able to teach her how to be efficient in the water is like. I didn't even deal. know how to brushstroke until he taught me. The so. first, the first time, so she said that she wanted to go to assessment and selection, and her ruck run times, you know, everything else was good. And I thought, well, when we get to the pool, let's this. And I didn't. You can't tell. You can't tell that. But I was like, all right. This. How did you react? I mean, like, I think it's funny. I, I, I was talking with my wife about this last night. I was like, I'm super excited to have Bailey and Zach on because above all the like cultural aspects of Bailey being a front runner in, you know, the integration of females into special operations, like y'all's relationship is very interesting in the sense that you're just a recon Marine. Yeah. just yeah. <laughs> and she was trying to, you know, be uh, Marsoc Marine, which, you know, in the community, like, you know, it's like a running joke, like until like, when did Marsoc, Marsoc was formed in, I wish Brent was on now. March of 2006. Did you look that up? No, I just know. <laughs> this is what I have Brian. He's like, the a, day the military <laughs> lost its mind. No, I'm just kidding. So the Marine Corps like recently <laughs> instituted a special operations branch Marsoc. But before that, it was like Marine Recon and then like, uh, Force was, you know, like the creme de la creme. Special operations capable. Yes. I use air quotes there. (laughs) You can't see the air quotes, but they were there. Yeah. And so like it's a running joke where all other special operations forces make fun of recon in some capacity. Like, oh, you guys were almost it. (laughs) The the Marines figured out after five years of OEF that you don't get missions being 
not sitting at the table. You There's know, a piece really... of the pie there that that we are not getting. Yeah. Unless yeah. we and I remember watching 24 and seeing baby dev like debt uh, debt one Marsot guys like showing off their capabilities on 24 and being like, whoa, those guys are super legit. Oh, oh, those are those are the Marines. Like <laughs> this is a commercial. Like they yeah. they got into TV. So I think it's funny though to say, you know, like Wow, man! Like I don't, I don't know what that'd be like if my wife was like, "Hey, by the way, our relationship started in this premise, and now I'm going to be doing something cooler than you're doing." And I'm like, "Who am I?" <laughs> well, that's you know, it's funny. I've I've thought about it a lot, and we've talked about this a lot. You know, the the integration of the culture of, of women, and I think, you know, I see a lot of guys that are sort of, I, I don't know, I feel like there's a lot of negative pressure against it mostly due to change, right? It's like just fear of like, this is how it's always been. But those same people are going to have daughters that due to what their daddy did are going to be interested now that that door is open and going the special operations route or trying to go to that. And it's going to be really interesting to see this, the older culture, like as their daughters become like 25 and they're like, Hey daddy, I want to become a special forces soldier. Is that guy going to be like, no, women don't belong in special forces. Or is he going to say like, Wow, I'm really impressed that that's something that you want to do, and that's the way you want to serve your country. And I'm going to do. It was the what hardest I thing. I, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. It was my proudest achievement, and I am proud of you for doing what I did. Is something that may be hard for some people to say. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. and I think that I, for better, for better or worse, um, after talking with like females that have gone through Ranger School and and talking with you, I know like um, you know we talked a little bit. Um, about your interaction with your peers in the process, right? And like without talking about like peer assessments or anything like that, pretty universally, the thing that I hear from guys that were training beside uh, female candidates in a, in a pretty male heavy at Ranger At Ranger School. Yeah, Ranger School specifically because uh, that's like the bulk of people I've talked to. You talk to guys that went to Ranger School with those girls and they're like, yeah, man, like they're super competent. Like what, the ones that got selected, the one, I mean, the ones that graduated and the ones that didn't necessarily graduate, they're like, hey, I really enjoyed my time with them. It changed my attitude on fem working beside females. And the people that are complaining about it are, are people that didn't serve beside them. They're like, hey, man, they, you know, the numbers say, and you're going. Or guys that quit or recycled yep. or did a bunch of stuff and they're like, their pride is hurt. And so it's, it behooves them to like make a public statement like, oh yeah, those girls are sandbagging or whatever, or all these concessions were made for them. And of course, the outer people that weren't in that circle, they're going to gravitate toward whatever their bias tells them to go to. What, I, so what do they, I want to believe? Yeah, exactly. And if you want to believe that there was concessions made, well, you're going to take this. You're going to take the right. statement of that dude that got but recycled twice in Darby phase. <laughs> regardless of like how we feel, people were treated in that in that capacity, like with the Ranger School debacle with the. I mean, people calling senators and whatever else is stupid. But I mean, in that, the thing that I really see the most is females putting in the work, prepping, showing up, doing the right thing, and gracefully dealing with a variety of problems, whether that be selected or not selected, right, for the process. Um, that leaves an impression. And I think that you're doing a great service to other candidates further down the road. Like right now we're talking about, you know, I mean, 
35 years of socialization has led me to believe that th that this is what right looks like. And now you're planting seeds for future generations. 10 years from now, it's not going to be – I mean, I – I don't think that females – I don't think that the desire to serve in MARSOC or SF or Ranger Battalion is ever going to be like a 50-50 split like the population, right? But I do think that it will not seem weird to go to, – to shave your head to go to Ranger school as a female in the next 10 years. Like right. If you're, if, if you're a female officer in the Army and the opportunity exists to go to Ranger school, just like every male soldier – in a combat arms job, going to ranger school, we expected of you. you right. Know? Well, yeah, I, I completely agree. I just um, also to add to that, you know, special operations, the individuals that are involved in that type of environment, they're not your usual types of people to begin oh, we're, with. We're all weirdos. And well, <laughs> it's just a different, you know, a different mindset, a different standard. So, I mean, you're not going to appeal to everyone. That's both male and female. So, you know, I think if those standards are kept, um, never lowered, you know, I, I believe that every female that's, you know, doing the same thing, trying to push forward in those types of uh, environments, would agree with that no lowering the standards but um you know eventually like that's it might not be normal but just because it's just because change is hard doesn't mean that it shouldn't be um pushed just sure. because so well and that's like that you touch on like what i consider to be the hallmark argument against women in the combat is that like is combat effectiveness, right? Like they're, if they're, right. they're going to lower the standard and like, blah, blah, blah. He's not going to be. And I always ask those guys, like, have you met any of these women? <laughs> like, have you talked to them? Have you gotten to a freaking Indian leg wrestling match for these girls? Cause they'd whoop your fucking ass, dude. <laughs> like, it's like, don't, don't like whatever you, whatever you've crafted in your mind isn't reality. And, um, of course, you know, there are women and men that can't make special operations. Yep. Like that's right. just the reality of it, right? Is the percentage of men that could possibly physically make special operations larger than the percentage of women? Yes, genetics is that way, right? right. Like, you know, if everybody trains the same, there's not going to be as many women on combat arms as there is men. That does not mean that women, like the women that pass the gates are any less combat effective right. than the men that pass those same gates. Right. Um, it's one, it's just, and so. But science, Brian, science says <laughs> that, that Zach's bird bones are are less bird bony than another bird bone in woman's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a and their period, their menzies, Brian, that gets in the way. The bears are going to come to your OP. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, certainly there's logistical issues. There's a billion issues that are that, that are going to have to be figured out, but you figure them out. But you know? what year did Starship Troopers get filmed? Like 93? No, it was later than that. I believe it was like a 93 movie. I, I know we're about that. to Google this, but I, <laughs> I just remember when I saw that as a kid and everybody was showering together, I was like, well, man, that's the only way that things are ever going to work out, right? Like 97. Oh, damn it, you're always right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like I saw that and I was like, hey, man, like when we demystify sexual, the sexuality and just make someone appear like for better or worse, put two humans together, they're going to want to have sex, samesies or not, right? It's like one of those deals, like something that happens. But generally speaking, within it, 
tight team dynamic, professionalism dictates that we're not like, you know, no matter how attractive my junior Bravo was, I've never thought about going full Afghan well, tribal leader on it. I've always thought Let about it. Let me teach it. you how to be a better Bravo. I've always thought the people that harp on like the integration of units from like a sexual standpoint, it reminds me of all the senators that are like, we need to like stamp out gays and stuff. And then you find out that they've been like screwing 14 year old <laughs> boys for a decade. You know, like I do like that you that, said all those senators and yeah. like there's I'm a, like there's which, a few which senators are you referring to? Yeah. <laughs> and pastors and things like that. You know, Peter's people, it's like thou doth protest too much. Like if you're worried about professionalism, perhaps it's your professionalism right. you're projecting on yeah. rather than like the professionalism of the organization and like your own your own failings in that right. it shouldn't dictate things for everybody. Yeah. Because if that was true, like, well, I'm weak at rucking, therefore we should eliminate rucking from this. And it's like, shut up, dude. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, I talk about it with my wife all the time where it's like, uh, like, oh, you're going to go do this thing with all these guys that uh, are more your type than me. Like, should I be worried? And she's like, well, I don't know. Do you trust me? I'm like, there you go. Just I mean, have, what are your Just thought, have like, fun. Just have fun. I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's the perspective I really want to get. Is like, what are your thoughts? There's like a lot of logistical issues that they're trying to work out as far as like gender integration. Like, what do you think about all that sort of stuff? Uh, I mean, that's that's hard to answer, especially considering that we're still in the beginning phases of all of it happening. Um, I would say a lot a lot goes to being professional. Um, but it's weird. You were on a Mew, right? Like that's a fully generated, it's gender integrated right. combat. I, I mean, I don't know what it is. It's an instrument. It's a organization, whatever. It's, I mean, a unit. You guys have a full uh, repertoire of like male and female, like combat soldiers, support soldiers, all stuck on boats together. Right. right? Like it's already happening. That's what I don't get is when people are like complaining about it. I'm going... I haven't done a deployment, even to the most austere of fire bases where there wasn't a female soldier there in some capacity. So I don't understand how, like, we're talking about it still in the sense that, like, we've already figured out a lot of ways right. to work around it. I mean, when you were on the boat, they weren't like, oh, no, we have females. When are you guys going to shower? <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, you have your... You have your own spaces, which, I mean, it's not completely integrated, but I feel like that's about as integrated as it needs to be at this point. Um, and then when you're – I don't know. I always feel like if you are in a um, – and when I'm I'm speaking of this, it's, it's more so directed towards like special operations like tier one groups. It's – I feel like that mindset, that standard is something that um, – people really uh, hold on to. They really like pride themselves on that uh, type of mentality. Like you're, you're doing something for a greater purpose. So you're not going to compromise that by doing something that's just totally against that, oh, I, sweet, if that makes sense. Sweet, sweet child. <laughs> I mean, I know that's not sweet really the... Sweet summer child. <laughs> it, it's not the... It's, I, I understand. Why, this is why we have a selection process, and <laughs> and we look for young, fresh minds that have not, that don't understand yet. Well, <laughs> no, I but I mean, I hear you. I yeah. definitely, you are correct, but also, like, uh, people are fucked up, right? Like, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there's a reason that like everybody gets kicked out. I mean, not everybody, but there's every unit has people that met the standard at some point, but don't meet it anymore. So, like, yes, as much as professionalism is institutionally 
paid homage to in special operations, we still have our own fair share of dick. Well, bags. yeah, but like, and, and the thing is, is like your own, pro- your own professional, not perfect. I'm not going to say professional, your own like self-discipline failings are not like, they're not institutional. Well, they shouldn't be institutionalized, right? Like yep. we've all met people that don't drink alcohol that are like, no, it's cool, man. Have a drink. Like, I'm totally cool with that. I just don't happen to drink. Like I have problems with it or whatever, but you enjoy yourself. And then you have people that are like, I cannot be around alcohol. How dare you? Like, you need to put that away when I'm around. You need to respect that. Um, because are those people vegans too? Well, <laughs> <laughs> analogize whatever you want, but like when it comes to women and the integration and stuff in like austere environments, you're like, Hey man, are you the one that's like, has the self-control to like, like let it happen? Or are you the one that like is acknowledging your complete lack of self-control and discipline? And you're like, well, that's what I always think is like, or if the people that are protesting the most are the ones that know that right. they're going to have the biggest like self-control problems with it. It's like, oh, I'm not. It's like, dude, it's just, it's a chick, man. Get over it. Like she, it's a member of the team, right? <laughs> it's like, like yeah. when I, when I worked at the 18 Charlie committee, I used to bring my kids out all the time and I have had, I have had a very prolific social media presence for years. Sometimes it's been problematic for me before, before softly it really kicked off and everybody was like, oh, all right, man, it's pretty cool. You can just uh, look. Looks good on the regiment. Continue. Um, <laughs> I used to do things like I'd like go you out. You said it looked good on the regiment? I mean, generally speaking, no one's, <laughs> no one's told me it looked bad on the regiment yet. I'm waiting for official correspondence from Yusasak. Um, <laughs> Somewhere which, there's a public affairs officer with a file yay thick yep. on one Douglas Keysway. Trying. They're trying hard, but they haven't gotten me yet. You know, like I'm like, I'm like Smokey and the bandit. I'm still, the bandit's still loose. But, uh, yeah, I, when I used to bring my kids to work and, uh, you know, like my, what, Michaela was 11 or 12 at the time, and she would be a role player. Like, you'd give her a sim gun, and she'd run around and shoot the students and, like, have a great time. I'd take pictures of it and post, you know, her throwing smoke grenades. And all my buddies at work were like, bro, you got to stop posting those pictures. I was like, why, man? Everything's cool. And they're like, no, dude, my wife's super pissed because... I'm not bringing my kids to work. <laughs> She's like, if, if Doug can bring his daughters to work, why don't you take the why don't you take the boys? And you, I mean, like, I don't need them here at the house all the time. And I'm like, see, that's what it's about. Like, not one person can't have a good time without somebody else trying to ruin it. <laughs> so you know, you got to be you got to be careful about that in your train up. Circling back to like the training and the build up before ANS, like what what did you guys identify? You already you already said upper body strength, but like, what did you feel? Like not even as a woman, just as a person that was a non-combat arms person going into special operations, was there anything you felt like you really needed to concentrate on, whether that's land navigation or like all other sort of stuff to, to, uh, yeah, of course. Um, especially since I'm coming from a field that really has nothing to do with the actual field, uh, air winger, right. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. The one dig. <laughs> this is, this is the one dig I know in the Marine Corps. I'm like, I know I can make fun of recon guys for not being soft, and I know I can pick on air wingers. <laughs> Two solid digs. Yeah. Um. So I knew land nav was going to be an issue. Yeah. Um. Coming from uh, Zach's background, he definitely gave me pointers. Um. But obviously, you don't really get the full grasp of it until you're actually out there doing the land nav yourself. So um, I had to focus really hard on fundamentals and, um, is it cross? I mean, like I said, I know that the the Marine Corps did a really good job of consulting with 
experts in the development of their course. Like however you want to say it, they stole some things, right? <laughs> um, but it, the army has a phrase that is like, you know, crawl, walk, run for all things. And like I used to be like, no, man, this is special operations. Crawl, walk, run doesn't apply. And then you go to SF selection and you're like, we did five, four terrain walks, right? Where I'm like, here I am with my backpack and a map and a compass. And I'm following the cadre. Got our pace count. Yep. And like, oh, hey, this is how you do your pace count. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. <laughs> is it the same? Well, it's a little different. You know, like, okay, that's that. now you're going to have an average pace count. But I mean, I don't feel like when people ask me, like, these are things I need to study before I go to army selection. And I'm going, no, man, like they do a really good job of setting you up for success. Is it? It's is it similar at at Marslock ANS? Like I mean, crawl, walk, run. Type. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that's very accurate. Yeah, you felt I mean, I guess the question I'm asking is you felt that the course itself set you up for success, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you definitely went in uh needing to obviously have been prepared for it. Um Yeah. But, know what you're getting into right. mindset wise, yeah. Right. But yeah, they definitely I mean, it's not like they just throw you into the fire immediately. Uh, I guess depending on what stage you're at, person like an individual, it, it might feel that way. I'm sure it was for some of the candidates that were actually there, but um, and that's the purpose of that. Right. I know. I, I well, it's like we. I'm, I'm sure you had a similar similar observations at selection, but there was guys that showed up that legitimately wanted to get selected. I mean, there was dudes at the time. I mean, I went through selection in 2005, and uh, at the time, if you PCS to Fort Bragg for selection and didn't get like, and you quit or, or withdrew or, or whatever, got kicked out, you were still on orders for the remainder of that time at Fort Bragg. So a lot of guys would use it like, hey, I'm going to go to Bragg, I'll get kicked out of selection, and then I'll just like chill out with my buddies for a couple weeks in the Bragg area, and then I'll go home. It was a, it was a cheap TDY vacation from from Hawaii. But but the cadre, the, the, they they started using those guys as like, manual labor, you know, that, that gravy train ended, but there was a lot of guys that showed up, not a lot, I would say a small percentage, but showed up not intending to get selected, like intending to use it more to their horror when they realized that they were going to be out on Camp McCall for an additional three weeks <laughs> moving <laughs> sandbags around. But, um, but there was a bunch of guys that were just, they were in gr good physical shape, but had no land nav experience whatsoever. <laughs> and so of course, during the training week for that, they're sitting there like <clears throat> with their pencil and paper out taking notes and really trying to do their best, but it was just not enough, you know, like they're. Well, I mean, isn't it, isn't that the point too? in my, in my, like I've <laughs> the efficacy of teaching someone how to use a map is still, it's still a good skill and something that's worth knowing and something that people want to understand because it's something that's so antiquated to us. And then like a Google maps, you know, age. But the reality is that it is a skill that most people haven't been taught. Well, I don't think that, that map reading or actual land navigation is the difficulty for most people. I think the difficulty is woodsmanship right. and just basic being out in the dark. Because if I gave a, there's a lot of people that on the star examination, the special force course, if I gave a GPS to would still and not gave find the, the points, points, they still, they would find them. They just couldn't travel the distances in the allotted right. amount of time because they don't know like, oh, that's a draw. Perhaps I should walk around that instead of getting stuck in it for two hours or or just walking at a reasonable pace at night with deadfall with 5% loom or 10% loom. It just requires a skill set that's only developed through experience. You know, you can't. But I, I don't even think I, in, 
as, as someone who napped a significant portion of my time <laughs> during Land Nav Week, like I, like you finished Brian and Brian and I, the way we, we handle Land Nav is very representative of our different personalities. Brian would get his tasking and he would complete it very rapidly and be the first person done, and then sleep at the, des- the end point. I would like get my tasking and I'd be like, I can do this in three hours. And I would like wander 400 meters off the start point and I would sleep for four hours and then I would get up. and Which you can no longer do <laughs> yeah. with the biometric monitoring. Yeah. Can't you do know, it anymore. But now when the I came through, come find you. couldn't do that. I mean, you could do it. You could get away with it. So I did that. And then, you know, I still got my points. Um, but I was the guy who was like, I was coming in very close to index being like, whoo, man, that was tight. Um, but I know that to me, I think that the, what they're evaluating is your ability to take a skill that you don't know how to do, learn it, and implement it, right. and the efficacy, like the, your ability to pick that skill up, like a hands-on skill that also involves some sort of cognitive processing, decision-making, is what they want to see. Right. And it's very stressful because it involves physical and mental stressors on something that you don't actually <laughs> know how to do very well. Like, I mean, how many, I mean, it has to be like, a single digit percentage of guys that show up for a selection based course that have had extensive orienteering experience. Yeah. I mean, it depends on their unit they're coming from, right? Or you if know? they're Boy Scouts. I mean, Boy Scouts usually had a leg up um, on it. You were an Eagle Scout. So, yeah. I mean, obviously. <laughs> I guess, man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, is that is that something that you like? Did you feel like you had because like go, going back to what I was talking about wood, woodsmanship? Is that something you felt comfortable with while you were there, or you were starting to get so, acclimated? Yeah, I mean, initially, no, I wasn't comfortable. I wasn't. Uh, I was prepared to be uncomfortable to be to if that makes sense. Mentally. And then right, and then from there, I kind of uh, I focused on fundamentals and like the the things that I did know. Um, when it came to that, and then I, I definitely got improved. I definitely was um, starting to improve as time went on. Um, what were those things like? What what things did you think? Did you you know? It's kind of the Donald Rumsfeld talks about the uh, the unknown unknowns, like the things that you don't know, you don't know when right. you show up to do something. That's what ends up being the most important. Like, what was that for you? Like, what things did you not like? Did you like, oh, man, this is an important skill set and you got better at it because you were working on it? So definitely the uh, terrain, like terrain navigation was definitely um, I had never had to deal with that. Like I could look at a map. I could understand what the contour lines were, what the vegetation. I could understand it. But being out there and actually physically seeing what that would look like versus um, the picture that I would have in my head, that was something that I – D- didn't do well in the beginning. It's still coastal Carolina, though, right? It is. Like that's <laughs> that's fucking garbage to like do terrain association off of like zero relief and like going. Well, I think there's trees here. And she like, doesn't mean terrain association yeah, yeah. necessarily. She just means like terrain identification. Like, right. you know, yeah. especially at night when you're like seeing those contour maps, those red lines, and you're walking, you're like. Hey, it's getting darker. It's getting darker. It's getting darker. What's going on? Yeah. What do these little V lines mean on my map? You're like, oh shit. Now you're in like, but like, that, that doesn't exist there, right? That's what I'm saying. Like we at least in at McCall, like there, there's minor minor relief at McCall, but like if you're further east, like at the coast, what what is there? There's there's marshes. 
which the they change almost every year. And you're dealing with like a map that was printed in 1960, yeah. right? Yeah. So you're walking with this map going, here I'm going somewhere. No wonder it doesn't look the same because it's not the same. Yeah. This is supposed to be a clearing. <laughs> yeah. Why is it not a clearing? Am I, am I lost? Yeah, I guess, I mean, that uh, to be specific and then also just to keep going. Just keep like, you know, you're going to – I expect it to get lost, so you got to keep your head about you when it happens and – uh, just staying in control, I guess, of the situation was something that uh, helped me for sure. Just, you know, being able to, uh, all right, how do I, and he he helped me a lot. Like he knew I was going to get lost and just like, you're going hey, to have look, a freak out moment look where, when it happens. Yeah, get back to where <laughs> you came from and like taught me the, you know, different tools, how to find my way back to where I came from or back to where I knew um, where I started. So that was definitely something that helped. Yeah, for sure. Man, it's uh it's so interesting to go back to thoughts of what it was like <laughs> when we started. I know like I think it, to to wit with the gender integration and everything else that we've talked about, like I I think one of the biggest failings of soft guys, like experienced soft guys Older people in general, uh, like looking back at their accomplishments is not being in touch with how hard it was for them at the time. Like it's easy to say, well, that was the hardest thing I ever did, but like I was tough and look at all the stuff I did afterwards that made it like, like I'm, I was made for this, you know, and you're like, ah, man, like so much of the process is luck. So much of the process is timing. So much is just, you know, a right place, right time. Um, well, especially when it comes to injury prevention. Yeah. I know a lot of super awesome dudes that did not get selected or didn't make it through phase two of the Q course because there was a burnout stump in the wrong place right. and they had a 120-pound pack on their back. Now they've got compound fracture, tip fib. Yep. It's like, it's all done for you, brother. I could have stepped in that same hole in the same way just as easily right. as you. Yeah, I was very fortunate. I didn't have any injuries and I um you know, it's it sucked for some of those guys like one I remember for example like phase 1, uh we just finished the O course and one of the guys just landed coming down on the rope wrong and I am not quite sure what happened to his ankle, but he was done after that and it's just it's just bad luck or yeah, like you said being in the wrong place at the wrong time and unfortunate but staying in touch with that man that's that's another thing right is like i know that one thing we see in in army sf which i'm sure happens and this is i guess going to be a struggle for you moving forward too mm -hmm. is the rationalized failure aspect of it where right. you'll replay a variety of things in your head for right. a period of time and you will probably be honest with yourself internally for some time, like where you're like, hey, man, I really could have done this, this, and this better. But you'll start to build a, an external dialogue that rationalizes a series of things that, like, that make it seem easier to have not made it, right? And that's the story you tell people. Like, not you I was in the last hard class kind of bullshit. Yeah, yeah, Like, you know, I mean, my drill sergeants in basic training told me a hundred stories about how I wouldn't get selected. I wouldn't become an SF guy because it was so hard when they went, you know, you had to do 30 pull-ups and like, if you swung at all, like, man, they just, you know, you touched the guy. It's like game over. I mean, there was a dude who stood in front of me and did not want me to swing my body at all. But like, I still got more than enough pull-ups and it was not 
a Herculean effort. But my drill sergeant, who had been and not, you know, and failed, wanted to make it into this huge right. thing because it made him feel better about not having made it, right? And I know, I don't know, but I suspect that for you, that process will be actually be uh, intellectually easier to navigate <laughs> just because <laughs> as a pioneer, um, it's it's easy to say, hey, you know, I didn't know what I didn't know and I gave it my best effort and I completed the tasks that were given to me and now I'm going to pursue a different thing. Right. As opposed to being like, I saw five people who I thought were my <laughs> equals, you know, in a variety of ways. They looked the same as me. They talked the same as me. They had the same background. They made it and I didn't. Mm -hmm. And now I have to explain to those five people for the rest of my life why. Right. You don't have to do that. Right. Right. Which is lucky for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Talk I mean, about a silver lining, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I like silver linings. <laughs> I mean, it definitely, that was a huge disappointment. Um, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't disappointed and, you know, uh, just something you work really hard towards. And then if you're, you know, being a non-select, I know, I know a lot of the other uh, candidates I was with felt the same way. Um, but also going from that, like, I guess when I'm looking at it, it's not what my ideal situation would have been. But if that is what motivates other females to try or to go for it, and they initially wouldn't just to see somebody can get to the next spot and they're like they get there and then, you know, they make it through. That's worth it, you know, rather than never seeing that and never and or or it just taking longer for somebody else to try, I guess that's. Without too much hindsight bias, like and not t even talking about ANS at all, like is there anything having been done at having gone through? Uh, w is there anything you would have modified, like in your preparation? Um, I mean, yeah, I would have added more sleep to whoever is gonna do it next, um, <laughs> for sure. I'm, I'm glad that that's like the one thing. Like, man, I really wish I'd slept. I no, sleep. I would. I'm on um, I would honestly say that the balance that. I mean, I didn't come up with that program on my own at all, by any means. And Zach, I wouldn't have been able to do it without him. I firmly believe that. Um, but just, uh, you know, it was a tough, it was a tough workout regime. But I didn't feel, I didn't feel like when I got to selection, I didn't feel like I was overworked. I didn't feel overtrained. I wasn't hurt. Um, I think keeping certain things and limitations, such as like distances for ruck runs. I mean, you really have to know your body. I I knew that distances didn't bother me. I didn't have issues with like uh, bones or tendons or anything like that. So I knew that um, that wasn't going to be an issue for me. But, you know, other people, their bodies are different. They may have done powerlifting their whole uh, lives and, you know, pull-ups or strength isn't going to be an issue for them. So they don't have to focus on that as much as like maybe running. So it's kind of you really just have to know yourself. Know your strengths and weaknesses. Is that that eat spider web. <laughs> is that? Do you guys have a talk about that? Like, did you like draw out a spider graph and everything? Well, we looked at like his graphs and everything that he has, but we knew what we, we knew her strengths were. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in all of this, the one thing that is the most impressive to me is the support network. Like you've right. you've had a lot of people helping you, um, and I think that all candidates for special operations should be capitalizing on that, like consulting experts, right. finding somebody to like be in your corner and give you encouragement and people who are experienced to talk you through, hey, this is what you're going to get into. 
And um, to be honest, like I'm very impressed with the gracefulness with which you've dealt with it. Like being being featured in a Marine Corps Times article is certainly not your goal. Like it wasn't like you asked for it, right? I didn't expect it at all, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I got that impression. I also <laughs> got the impression from reading it that like you have you have a very good sense of self and um like you're you're very graceful in dealing with it, which you know Thank you. Yeah, um uh, not many people are. So there's that. Um present company included. Yeah, yeah, present company included for sure. <laughs> I am not graceful. <laughs> uh, I spend so much time I, I spend a lot of time in negative self-talk publicly so that I don't have to engage in compensatory <laughs> methods after I fail. Like, oh, yeah, you guys knew I was going to fail. I've been telling you how much I suck for like three months. Um, it's, a, it's an old Chinese technique. <laughs> but, yeah, you guys, uh, I mean, clearly throughout this conversation, like Zach support, looking to Caldeets, using softly programs, those are all things that I think a lot of people just hey, – you. Well, I got the prep thing from the guys at the course, and I just kind of half-ass followed that. Now I don't know why I didn't get selected. And you're going, I mean, I can point to 50 reasons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, I think that your mindset's really good. Um, and, you know, it's unfortunate that the end result wasn't where you wanted it to be. But I also, from my own experience, I've never got anything the first time. Like, yeah. I fell out of college. Um Freaking failed out of multiple MLSs in the Q course, some because of academic reasons, some because of bad attitude. <laughs> um, and every time I came back with a different adjusted attitude, I learned a lot more. I became a much better person. So I think that like we talk about defeat or, or failure here a lot as what's driven us to be better. And I think that like I don't know – I don't know anyone that I view as being like a really – resilient person who hasn't dealt with setbacks or or being told no. Um, and so, I mean, I can only imagine what the next step is for you, but I'm sure it's going to be awesome. Um, do you do you have an idea? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm still – I keep my options open and I try and uh, put myself around people that uh, help in that a good support system but uh my big my big priority is to get my master's degree okay um that's really important you have your me. bachelor's already i do congratulations thank you that's awesome that's a big step forward well, uh, your <laughs> brian doesn't have one i don't have a degree i was a college dropout he's a smarter he's smarter than any other college dropout i know <laughs> I'm definitely not sore about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Um, but yeah, like I, uh, I am assuming you will not remain a Harrier mechanic. I, I, that's a safe assumption yeah. to make. Yeah, <laughs> right on. Cool. Is going back to ANS a possibility? Uh, it's not actually. Unfortunately, um, you know, you make it to a certain point and you you know too much. I guess that is so. that is okay. something that the Marine Corps has changed from Army SF. Is you get you get one and done. Really? Yeah, you don't get a second chance. Yeah. All DNR, huh? Which is also funny because they are, I think, the only soft organization that has a DNR. Um, hmm. Policy. What about what about the Coronado Pretty Boys? I'm pretty sure. I mean, I know guys that went to Buds like three times. Yeah, I mean to to make it. Um, heck, some of the best seals I know are dudes that like took forever. I mean, to that's that's actually interesting. Like, I'm not, not. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't fault them for that. I think it's a an interesting technique. But I know that like we, we in Army SF we have a 
it's a very squishy policy on mm-hmm. that. Like a guy can get DNR, like that do not return, and um, they don't really mean it. You know, like right. it's. I've never seen a DNR broken, but I definitely know that. Like I've seen, I've seen them. Yeah, yeah I've, I've seen them broken. Mm-hmm. Guys, guys, are just. I mean, they get a class date, right? And like, I mean, the, the mem- institutional memory is only so long in a place where keeping keeping records is important, yeah. but not sacrosanct. So a guy will show back up, and by the time they realize that he was a DNR, he's been selected, and they're like. Well, cadre roulette. Yeah, man. <laughs> New group of dudes. Freaking army, dude. I always imagine like old man papers in some back room with like an Indiana Jones amount of like paperwork stacked with post-it notes all stuck. Like, hey, we'll find the old record for this boy. Like, dude, that doesn't exist, man. The great shredder in the sky. But they always tell you, they're always like, we keep meticulous records on every person who's ever attended this. The FBI came here and drew Timothy McVeigh's records for his special forces assessment selection after he blew up the Oklahoma City building. I'm like, how did you find it? Like, I can only imagine. No one knows the filing system (laughs) here, you know? Yeah, exactly. Well, the person that knows it, the person to develop it was was a 18 series guy that got fired like 20 years ago. You know? <laughs> then we transferred it to a GS person. Yeah, exactly. It's clearly competent. <sighs> yeah, man, I really appreciate you guys driving up. Um, it was, it was really great talking to you guys. Um, I think that, you know, I, you guys have only been married two years and I don't want to set you up for failure or anything, but <laughs> it's obviously that you guys have a really good and supportive, like mutually supportive relationship, uh, which if, you know, we could all be so lucky. It's mm-hmm. apparently 75% at this table right now. Do you have any parting words of advice for any other females <laughs> who might be thinking to go into the special operations uh, cauldron of weirdness? Man, don't. Double-double <laughs> <laughs> toilet trouble. Yeah, yeah man. It's, uh, I, I don't know. Kind of cliche, I guess, but it's, I mean, it's not impossible. It's it's tough, but it's not you. it's not impossible, so somebody's going to get it. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. One day, one day. I'll be excited to hear about it. So this, this bear broke out of cage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right on. Well, um, I mean, uh, I, I agree with you. I think, I think somebody is going to, I, it's a clearly not impossible because Brent made it. So <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. Uh, if Brent if can do scarecrow it, scarecrow can do it. Yeah. If Brent can do it, anyone can. That should be the anthem of every Marsoc hopeful <laughs> in the future. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what we need to create. That's is that we need to rename the selection prep program like Brent did it. <laughs> Motivation Goes for your to day. Brian did it, the army version yeah, of exactly. the Brent did it shirt. Just a big picture. Brent specific shirts. <laughs> um, Right on. Well, let's uh, let's wind it down. Yeah, man. Thank you guys so much yeah, for showing for up. And we hope to, hope to see you guys again in the future and stay part of the Softly community. Of course. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you guys.